Welcome to the State of Utah podcast presented by Silicon Slopes Commons. My name is Clint Betts. And my name is Elizabeth Converse. Liz is here. Liz, it's Wednesday. It is a Wednesday. Uh, if it's Wednesday, it's you and I talking. That's a fact. And we talk about politics. Yes, we do. I don't know two people who know more about politics than the two of us. It's This room is just overflowing with knowledge. We've forgotten more about politics than the rest of the country combined. It's true. So uh, we have to start with the obvious. There was a presidential debate last night. Yep. Um, do you remember who our president is? Yes. Uh, so he, Donald Trump, debated Joe Biden. Sort of. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure it qualifies as a debate. Well, again, do you remember who our president is? Yeah, I totally do. It was par um, for the course. So, you know, the reaction to that has been what the reaction usually is. The reaction's interesting, right? The media... It seems like they always forget who our president is. Yeah, every single time. Anytime he does anything or says anything or acts weird or, I don't know, meets with a foreign dictator and says that they're best friends, people seem shocked by this, but he's consistently done it. We're, we're four years in now, guys. So it was funny, um, like Jake Tapper, the CNN guy, after the debate is like, that was the most undignified thing I'd ever seen and it's embarrassing the American people lost. Like, where have you been? Yeah, clearly those aren't the same reporters who go to the regular press briefings at the White House. Where have you been? Yeah. Like, this is this is what he does. So um, that's my thought on it is like, yeah, I, I think this election has very little to do with Joe Biden, actually. I, I think it has very little to do with either of them. I think this election epitomizes what America has come to with like the whole fast food culture and reality TV. Mm. If it's not entertaining, if it's not making someone angry or laugh, then what's the point of watching it? Like this is American politics. It is a perfect example of current American politics. And for the media to self be like self-righteous and have like that righteous indignation, right? They're wearing like their Gucci suits and like their monogrammed cufflinks and they're looking sternly into the camera and say, this is not the America that we want. This isn't what Americans deserve. I'm like, oh, I think you contributed to it more than anybody. I think it's exactly what Americans deserve. Honestly, I think you contributed to more than anybody, too. It's, like, it's, I don't get it. It's what we've called for. It's what we voted for. What it's, do you mean it's not what we deserve? This is literally, like, where, exactly. where have they been? Uh, they've been churning all of this. That's the other side of it. They've played their role. Yeah, I think they're as responsible as anybody. Definitely. It's crazy. It's insane. Uh, so there was a debate. There was also a presidential debate. Do you want to talk more about it? The governor? No, do the, you want to talk about the presidential one before we go to the governor? Uh, I guess, I mean, I, I think for me, nothing is sacred anymore. I was raised by one parent who had a parent who served in the military and another parent who's worked for the federal government my whole life. And so I was raised with the idea that we protect these institutions because regardless of who controls them, the institution itself is valuable. But the rest of the country doesn't feel that way. And there's no reason that they should. There's no reason that they should trust government when it's consistently let them down. So I don't know. I think I think it's all entertainment value at this point. And Joe Biden's not entertaining. So I don't really have a lot of hope in what the polls are saying right now. I would be concerned uh, if uh, for those who do not want Donald Trump to be our president again, mm -hmm. um, that this is feeling more and more like 2016, the lead up to 2016. Again, the righteous indignation from the media while washing their hands of their role in all of this. Yep. 
Absolutely. I mean, the host of The Apprentice is our president, and the media takes no responsibility for that. Yep. It's very strange. It is. Um, I would be very nervous that this is feeling a lot like the run-up to 2016. Yeah, I think it is. There are a lot of similarities and not a lot of strategy, it seems. I mean, a lot of Hillary Clinton's strategy was similar to Joe Biden's, where it's just, you know, take a step back and let Trump do what Trump's going to do. And the American public is responsible enough to not want that person as president. And that's exactly why we're in the situation we're in. The only thing I can think of that would make it different, um, one, we've had four years of this and maybe the country's just exhausted. I am. (laughs) I'm exhausted. Just exhausted with this. Like the whole thing, and I'm not even just talking about with him, like the whole like... He stands up, does something, and then these guys in Gucci suits who make millions of dollars and, you know, live in Manhattan penthouses and pretend to speak for the working man, go on CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or any of these people and pretend to speak for us, but they actually just speak down to us. Mm-hmm. And they say, can you believe this? And they have this, like, it's like, yeah, uh, majority of Americans trust Trump more than you. Like, yeah, he's like the, <laughs> they're like the most hated people on earth and like the fact that you're oblivious and there doesn't seem to be a lot of rehabbing that image at all it's like locally or nationally it doesn't seem like the media in any way is trying to kind of pull that back and no they're doing the exact same thing yeah it's crazy and they're wrong about they're wrong so often and there's no accountability for them being wrong like the new york times 98 percent chance hillary clinton's gonna win yep what the heck uh, New York Times. Uh, there's WM- WMDs in Iraq. What the heck? Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Like, they're just constantly wrong. Yes. Just consistently wrong. Yes. Like, even, like, the Russia story that we heard, like, the Mueller investigation, all these types of things. Like, Donald Trump, like, he got help from the Russians. Turns out, no. Yeah, that one's a little debatable, but well, I, mean, I see where you're coming from. You know, like, it's not like the Russians were... He won the election. Yeah, he did win the election. Which was called into question for two and a half years. Like, it's crazy. Well, They're he, just wrong. And I think part of that is he won the election because the press was reporting things that had absolutely no bearing on the election and, like, made it into mainstream voters' heads. Like, we have to do this or we have to do that one way or the other. There was just so much coverage. It's like this. It's like, honestly like the coronavirus coverage. I like the daily updates about where our numbers are. I think that's really, really useful. I think it's useful to know where the hotspots are. I don't need to know how every Tom, Dick, and Harry feels about coronavirus. I don't need to know the opinions of people who are not professionals and not advising us to go one way or the other. And I feel like that drive for constant coverage is really just exhausting people and completely Mm. taking all of the validity out of the national press. I totally agree. I think the cluelessness in the media, the uh, pretend high-mindedness and righteous indignation as they just make millions and millions and millions and billions of dollars off of this chaos. Well, and a lot of their anal- their analysts are people who get paid a million dollars a month or more to come on TV once or twice a year. And like, what? How are you, how are you invested in this? Like, how who are you actually tracking this? Who owns these companies? Oh, there's like four people. There's like four like, companies. Who owns all the way down? Like, mm-hmm. who owns the local? Who owns national? And, like, they profit off of this. Their whole job is to make us angry and divided and all that type of stuff. And then the thing is, like, I'm fine. Okay, fine. I get it. I get the business model. American people are not dumb. They're not naive. They get the business model. Fine. 
I'm all about that. Don't just come on TV after the host of The Apprentice, who's currently our president, does what he always does and pretend like you're surprised. Yep. And there's like this righteous indignation to it. That's what I can't handle. Yeah. So I think there's two things working against Trump that maybe weren't in 2016. One, the exhaustion we all have. Mm -hmm. And two, in 2016, like it or not, there were a lot of Hillary Clinton haters. Mm -hmm. Just like hate. Oh, yeah. Hatred for the Clinton name and hatred for her in particular. I don't see that as much for Joe Biden. No, it's definitely not as vitriolic. Again, I don't even see. I, I felt like the 2016 election was also about Hillary Clinton. Um, I don't see this election as almost anything to do with Joe Biden. I, yeah, no, I agree completely. I think the 2016 election was like three fourths about Donald Trump and what Donald Trump was actually saying and promising and a fourth about the people who hated Hillary Clinton. Whereas I think the Joe Biden Donald Trump race is about Donald Trump. Remember the horse shit, like um, emails things and like they found like her Anthony Weiner's computer had some emails and like they like covered it like this was like the biggest thing ever. Yeah, you, you email like I don't even get. Yeah. I don't get like why we keep looking to the same sources and same institutions. Yeah. Uh, to tell us how to feel about things. Yes. It's crazy. Well, and I think that's the difference. I think that's a difference from 20 years ago. We would look to those institutions to give us information, and then we would decide how we feel about them. And now it's it's pure laziness. We're asking other people to tell us what our feelings are for us so that we don't have to, because it's hard. American politics has never been designed to be easy. Never once has it been designed to be easy. And it's really hard to change. But we're lazy. Is there any institution or any group more responsible for who our current president is than the media? I'm not saying they're solely responsible. Is there anyone more responsible Just the for Ameri who our current president is? The American public. Yeah, but listen to this. Like, If you're saying 98.7% chance that Hillary Clinton wins, she's got Michigan and Wisconsin wrapped up. Don't even worry about it. Two weeks before the election, I, I will stand by this until I die. If there was a report in the New York Times saying Hillary Clinton is losing in Michigan and Wisconsin, she wins Michigan and Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And their breathless coverage of him, he got billions and billions of dollars of just like free advertising. They would carry his rallies live. Yeah. Every time. But I think I think a big part of it is like the chicken or the egg. Right. So you have oh, you, ratings. You have consumers who want something specific and then you have media organizations trying to provide that. And it's this constant battle between the consumers and the outlets. And the outlets have learned exactly what gets them clicks, what gets their advertisers looked at. Like they know what they need to be doing and they're doing it. So, yes, I do think the press has a huge role in this. But I also think the American public needs to change what it wants. It needs to adjust in a way that is responsible. And honestly, like you, you vote with your dollars when it comes to the press. If you're supporting an organization that isn't doing good work, then you need to stop supporting that organization. Yeah. It's crazy. It's wild. That's my biggest takeaway. I was not in any way shocked by what happened on that stage because it's been happening every day. Yep. For the past three and a half years. Yep. What made me angry is like, this feels like 2016 again. Yeah. Right after the righteous indignation, looking into the camera saying, can you believe this happened? I'm like, yeah, of course. What? Yeah. What are you talking about? Where have you been? Yes. Of course I believe this. I do. I do think that there was one point during the debate 
where I was like shaking my head in avid agreement with the president. And it was where he said he was the president and he's been elected for four years, not three and a half years, not until November. He was elected for four full years and he's going to do his job for four full years. And I think that's one of those things that like Democrats can't really push back on that because they were making that same argument in 2016 when um, Hillary was running, but Obama was president. Like it's it's just one of those things that like makes me laugh at this point because yeah there are good points buried in the nonsense if you can ever get to them well he unintentionally makes good points every once in a while oh, yeah. that, that are all about him it has nothing to do with like the actual point oh yeah totally like and his whether taxes. it's good or not <laughs> yeah the taxes that was a fantastic point oh yeah but it was all just to save his own self but him saying like yeah i paid 750 dollars in income tax or whatever is like i just used the tax code that joe biden and yep. Everybody else who'd been here for Approved. 47 years are fine with. Yes. Like it is like uh, in that New York Times bombshell report about like the amount of taxes that he paid. It doesn't say he did anything illegal. Let's let's talk about that report really quickly, yeah. because I don't think that report matters at all. No, it doesn't at all. And I think the fact that the New York Times thinks it does and that Democrats think it matters is hugely problematic for the political dialogue in our country. Like, I don't care. Like, the fact that he was hiding his taxes, I was like, oh, that's really sketchy. But when it comes out and he's hiding it because he's done what every other rich business person has done throughout history. That's why you hire private accountants. Like that's why they exist. That's why there's an entire industry dealing with the tax code. It's specifically for people like Donald Trump and his agencies and his industry to succeed in ways where a normal average everyday person wouldn't because we don't have personal accountants telling us every single tax loophole. And businesses and corporations are just taxed differently. Yes. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And when you give carve outs and cutouts and all these incentives to real estate developers, real estate developers have it so freaking crazy yep. when it comes to, I mean, there's all sorts of weird tax loopholes, but real estate developers in particular, it's crazy uh, the amount of things that they can write off and depreciate and actually get like money back from the government. Like there's weird incentives. It's so weird. And real estate developers. Like, like Obama was recent. president for eight years. Like, I don't I don't remember anybody changing this. I don't remember this ever being different than what it is. And this most recent like tax reform attempt in locally here in Utah. Yeah. And somehow the real estate developers were completely carved out and protected. It's so strange. It's so strange how that works. I don't get it. I don't get the righteous indignation. I don't either. Where it's like, this is exactly who we are. Like people are like, this is a, America deserves better than this. No, we don't. No, we deserve exactly what we're going through right no, now. No, we don't. If you're if you were oblivious to what the tax code was before the New York Times report on yep. Sunday, yep. screw you. Well, not to mention nobody gives a crap about taxes. Nobody like we might want to talk about funding priorities, but the minute that you mention the word taxes, everybody turns out tunes out. They don't want to talk about it. They might want to talk about how someone else should do something, but when it comes to that individual responsibility, that's eh, just gone. It's, it's gone. It's crazy. They're done. They don't want to talk. Anyway, that was my biggest thing from the presidential debate that was, like, blowing my mind. First of all, watched it. I was like, yeah, this is not surprising. This is exactly how I thought this would went. No shocks at all. Even him, like, not denouncing white supremacy. He's done that before. Like, there's literally no shock. Yeah, PSA, if you haven't watched the presidential debate yet, if you've recorded it or plan on watching it later, yeah. don't. don't. Just know. don't. You There's no need. You will learn nothing new, and you'll just be upset by it. So absolutely, for the world's mental health, do not watch that debate. No shock at all. What I was surprised by is people who were shocked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, what? Yeah. What do you think? So 
Um, that was the presidential debate. There was also a Utah gubernatorial debate. Yes, there was. We had Spencer Cox going up against Chris Peterson. Yep. What one was that one like? Um, <sighs> is it boring? Doug Wright is no longer a good moderator. He's a great guy, and he's done well for a really long time, and he works really closely with the Utah Debate Commission, but he's just lost his touch on moderating debates, and I feel like he was the focus of the debate more so than the actual candidates. Um, really? Yeah, it was it was quite distracting. He monologued a lot. Have you seen The Incredibles? Uh, that cartoon? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's like a whole scene where it's like, oh, you got me monologuing because he like almost is able to take out the bad guy. Yeah, it felt very much like, oh, you caught me monologuing. And it, yeah, that's that's exactly what it felt like. Mm. I think I think Doug Wright needs a microphone again in a different area of the world. But I, I don't necessarily think he's a good debate moderator. Um, I think Chris and Spencer did great. They were incredibly mm. respectful. They went like toe to toe on specifically education funding. That was a that was a huge topic where they went back and forth a couple times. Um, there wasn't really anything new, though. I mean, and I think I think that's my biggest problem with debates is because you have the people who watch debates to become more informed about their candidates and not only the issues, but how their candidate carries themselves in a tense situation. And then you have the people who watch debates to win. Yeah, for the entertainment value. And it's like, what's and the again, point? Like, if and again, who's, I just who cares who wins? Like, that's that's what? Why are you doing this? I just can't. Like the way the whole thing is set up is like entertainment. Hey, describe healthcare policy in ninety seconds, please, and take a shot at your opponent here. Yeah. Like, of course, this the host of The Apprentice is going to blow that wide open. He just yep. does it time and time and time again. Yep. And then we act shocked and like, yep. uh, it's undignified. Yeah. The whole damn thing's undignified. Well, the thing is, nuance is boring, and quote-unquote straight talk is way more interesting, and government is nuance. I mean, it's that's just a mm. fact. Everything is nuanced. Everything affects somebody differently. And you're talking about 333 million people and, like, what's going to happen? And in Utah, over 3 million people, what's going to happen? And it's really difficult to explain that in such a short period of time. But I do think I think Chris and Spencer did a really good job. Yeah, I think there's a way to structure these debates that would be useful. They're just not we just keep using this old like entertainment model. And we have, again, just these clowns who act as though they're like straight shooters. Yeah, um, I'm not talking about Doug Wright. I don't know. I didn't watch the gubernatorial debate, but at a national level. Yeah, like it's just like, I, why is this person who picked this person to moderate? And who picked these two people to be the candidates? The one thing that I really did appreciate about the Utah Debate Commission is this year they did split screen views. So you could see how the other candidate was reacting to what the other person was saying. And that was really entertaining mm. because normally they just do the one shot of the person who's speaking. Um, so that was fun. Nationally, they've done that for a while. But nationally, like, the moderator was... It's what there always is. It's, it's the dumbest thing ever. It doesn't make sense to me. It, these are two people who've agreed to specific rules. And if they don't follow those rules, like I do with my 10-year-old, something gets taken away. And that's not like a revolutionary idea. I am fully team cut the mic. I don't care if you're the president of the United States. I don't care if you're the president of any country. If you do not abide by the rules... Your mic gets cut and you can keep talking, but then the rest of the world doesn't have to listen. You know what I mean? Like there's there's no need for that kind of extra noise. And Joe Biden interrupted a whole bunch, too. 
his mic should get cut too. I don't care who you are. Mm. You should just cut the sound. Because if the point of the debate is to find out what's going on with these two candidates and you literally can't hear anyone because three old rich white dudes are yelling at each other, Mm. just, you know, turn it off. It's just so... It doesn't represent anything about this country at in, all. in real life. At all. It's not even reality. No. It's just a show. The yeah. whole thing's a show. Yeah. It's crazy. It's absolutely um, crazy. The, the greatest way to do a debate, I think, would just put them up there by themselves. Ooh. I don't know if you can do that nationally with either of those two. Yeah, neither one of those two but, could, uh, could handle that. If, if we had a healthy democracy, that'd be fun. Like a fireside chat between two candidates? Yeah. Yeah. I, Let I them would, ask each other questions. I would watch that. Let them ask each other questions. I mean, what the hell? The yeah. M- a freaking moderator? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Well, especially a moderator who can't control the situation. Especially a like, moderator. There's no point. Like, you know, like a millionaire talk show host. Well, it was Chris Wallace, right? Yeah. So I would be super curious to see like the minute by minute breakdown of how many minutes each one of them was talking, because I bet you anything Chris Wallace was speaking more than Joe Biden did. <laughs> and that's like not okay. And yeah, they were all layered on top of each other and it was hugely problematic. But the amount of time that Chris Wallace spent yelling, trying to get someone to stop talking, ate up most of the debate time. Mm-hmm. So gubernatorial debate happened. It, it sounds like it went well. Uh, Utah County continues to have rise in uh, COVID-19 cases. Nearly 3% yep. of Utah County residents have tested positive for COVID-19. And this actually came up in the debate. So... Um, our rolling average right now is over a thousand for the first time ever in the history of tracking this disease in this state. Um, and since you always like to, you know, hit hard at Salt Lake County, Utah County is actually at 2.9% right now and Salt Lake County is at 2.7. So we're winning. Just saying. Hmm. Yeah, Utah County is better than Salt Lake County. I don't think there's any question about that. No, there's a lot of questions about that, actually. But um, So they, they brought it up in the gubernatorial debate, and I found it really, really interesting because Spencer Cox, the lieutenant governor and the previous head of a now disbanded coronavirus task force, um, put all of the recommendations and everything that has been done as a response to the virus squarely on the shoulders of the governor. Mm. And it's the first time I've ever seen him do that. And very clearly, he he says that he supports what Governor Herbert has done. And it was kind of a step away. Like, guys, this I mean, the governor is the one with the ultimate power here. But at the same time, you're running for office and you're the head of the task force who's responding. So you got to take a little ownership there, whether Mm. or not it's positive or negative. You got to take a little ownership there. If he was like, yeah, there are things that we know now that we didn't know then. We can use those things in the future. Would have been totally fine. But instead, he put it. All on Governor Herbert, and I found that interesting. Hmm. John Dougal came out with an audit around COVID nineteen this morning. Yes, he did. Um, regarding like the contracts that were signed, uh, purchase of that hydroxychloroquine stuff. There's all sorts of stuff in there. Yep. Um, what, what was your read of that? Yeah, was, I mean, audits are always boring, first and foremost. And it was a 15 page audit, and I think four of them were intentionally left blank as spacers for two or three different responses to the audit. But the majority of it said the government didn't talk to other government enough. Like, that was it. And that was solely it. Like, if government had talked to government more, government would have worked more effectively. And, like, that's, Hmm. I mean, that's true for everything. (laughs) 
Yeah, it seems like we're seeing a rise uh, across the country, COVID-19, Utah in particular, seeing a big rise. Um, We'll see what happens, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Well, with Utah County's mandate, hopefully some of that will start to die down. We can pray. I live in Utah County. I've seen no difference. I know. Um, Spencer actually mentioned that that there's people going around the state and measuring compliance, but I had never heard of this before, never hmm. heard of these people before. And he said something like compliance was like 85% or it was a ridiculously high number. And I, like just in my county alone, don't buy yeah. it. Yeah, your county sucks though. Like Utah County is great. <laughs> nice try. Again, y'all are higher. You have higher numbers. Your mask mandate came by force by a county commission that half the county doesn't even want to have in charge anymore. So you got that going for you. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the Utah County Commission is interesting. Uh, there may be a vaccine coming down the chute soon. I don't believe it. You don't believe in the vaccine? No, I believe that there will be a vaccine. You're anti-vax. No. Hey, did you get your flu shot? Have you gotten your flu shot yet? Have you gotten your of flu shot yet? Of course I've gotten my flu shot. Yeah, you better have. No, I just, I, I'm friends with a lot of scientists and I've read the actual scientific statements on those vaccines. And it's going to be a while. There was a really interesting story um, that I heard yesterday that said the tuberculosis vaccine might help get mm. people through COVID faster and have less effects later. So they might start using the tuberculosis vaccine as like essentially a booster because most people get the TB vaccine when they're children um but they might start using that in like booster shots to help patients recover faster until we have a hmm. covid specific vaccine i just want it to be over yeah oh my gosh i want this whole thing this i whole, miss i miss everything. restaurants i miss strangers i know that sounds crazy but i miss strangers like i miss seeing people that yeah. i don't know i miss talking to new people i miss the ability to go into a building and not be terrified that somebody might not be Mm. taking care of themselves or their family the right way Mm. it's hard it's really hard that's sad everything you just said is very sad that's not good i can be the debbie downer i also miss like i never want to think about who our president is every day yeah that would be lovely right yeah I kind of miss like those times where it's like, yeah, it's just it's just some dude. It's always a dude, but like it's just some dude. Um, whatever. Well, and we always have people in our lives who get upset or stressed out by things, and it's at this point, it's like, okay, don't read, don't watch, just unplug. I think the one thing that we will learn coming out of coronavirus as a country is how to unplug. Everything is so terrible right now that the best thing in your life is turn off your phone, turn off your computer, go play a card game with your family. You know, Mm. you don't you don't need to be listening. You cannot make change in the next five minutes. So take a breather. Hmm. I think that's good advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's weird time. Weird time. But this Sunday we get to talk about. Oh, yeah. Drugs. Tell people the show. Puff Puff Pass. I think that's what we're going to call it. Heck yeah. (laughs) We're talking about drugs on Sunday. We are. We're talking about medical cannabis and psychedelics and the impact they have on health and Utah's drug culture. It's just an hour of me trying all the drugs I can. All of them. It's it's a it's what a, will happen. It's a great experience watching Clint go through a mushroom trip. Like Let's do it. It's pretty baller. I'm in. Yep. So uh, tune in Sunday for the show. Uh, Liz, so great to see you. You too. It's Wednesday. If it's Wednesday, Liz is here. 
Uh, we'll talk to everybody next week, and make sure you tune in via all of our social media channels on Sunday for the State of Utah. Bold title. Yep. All right. Talk to everybody later.